Good morning. In today's headlines, Florida residents are battening down the hatches. Forecasters say Hurricane Ian could intensify into a Category 4 hurricane as it approaches the coast. And a SWAT training exercise in Chicago turns into a live fire scenario as an uninvited suspect enters by fire escape. Russian President Vladimir Putin grants citizenship to Edward Snowden, a man U.S. authorities would like to put on trial for espionage. A success for NASA's planetary defense team, the DART planetary defense craft hits its target. It's an asteroid about 7 million miles away. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Tuesday, September 27th. And Florida is preparing for Hurricane Ian and any resulting storm surge. The hurricane is expected to hit western Cuba today and then move across the southeastern Gulf of Mexico. Officials say it could approach the west coast of Florida late Wednesday. Forecasters now say it could become a Category 4 hurricane by then. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the storm's development. Rapidly intensifying Hurricane Ian became a Category 3 storm early Tuesday. It's quickly nearing landfall in western Cuba. In Florida, residents are making final preparations. This one looks like it could be a real one, so I flew down from New Jersey today to try and protect my property, get stuff up to the second level where I can and see how it goes. You think you're going to be safe, hunker down, try to help other people out, but this gets serious quick. The hurricane is expected to bring a life-threatening storm surge. Store shelves are being emptied as people stockpile food and supplies. Others are gathering and setting up sandbags to prepare for possible flooding. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says power outages should be expected. The Florida National Guard has activated 5,000 Florida Guardsmen as well as 2,000 additional Guardsmen from Tennessee, Georgia and North Carolina that have been activated to help. Officials announced school closures and flight cancellations. Tampa Bay International Airport is suspending operations at 5 p.m. Tuesday. Mandatory evacuation orders have been issued for parts of Pinellas and Hillsborough counties. Emergency shelters have been opened. <laughs> they say mandatory evacuation. It's time to go. Evacuation orders also went into effect for low-lying areas of Charlotte County, as well as in Sarasota, Hernando, and Manatee counties. So we're doing the best we can to prepare, and if needed, we'll evacuate, or I will evacuate if I need to. More evacuations are expected for some counties north, south, and inland of the Bay. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Authorities ordered the evacuation of around 300,000 people at risk in the Tampa Bay region on Monday. And moving on to Chicago, police shot a man who infiltrated a SWAT training exercise. The police chief says the man grabbed two guns off a table and pointed them at officers. The man used a fire escape to climb up to the fifth floor. There, he entered a door propped open for ventilation. Officers were undergoing a SWAT training exercise at the time. One of the officers shot and wounded the man after he pointed the guns at them. Police say the suspect had asked where he could retrieve personal property before entering the building. A video shows him leaving the facility and then returning to infiltrate it. Paramedics took the suspect to the hospital with injuries not considered to be life-threatening. And Japan bids farewell to former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in an elaborate state funeral. 
The ceremony started at 2 p.m. today, local time, with Abe's ashes carried by his widow into the Nippon Budokan Hall in central Tokyo. Nearly 4,500 guests attended the service, including foreign dignitaries such as U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, Prime Minister Modi from India, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, as well as President of the International Olympic Committee Thomas Bach. After a moment of silence, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida delivered a memorial address praising Abe's courage and dedication. Former Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga, Abe's right-hand man for many years, also gave remarks before attendees laid flower offerings and bowed in turn. In other news, President Vladimir Putin granted Russian citizenship to former U.S. intelligence contractor Edward Snowden yesterday. Snowden exposed the scale of secret surveillance operations by the National Security Agency nine years ago. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. Edward Snowden says he became aware of abuses and was ignored after reporting them. But over time, that awareness of wrongdoing sort of builds up and you feel compelled to talk about it. He fled the United States and was given asylum in Russia after leaking secret files in 2013. Those documents revealed vast domestic and international surveillance operations carried out by the NSA where he worked. Supporters consider Snowden a righteous whistleblower who wanted to protect American civil liberties. Meanwhile, U.S. intelligence officials have accused him of putting their personnel at risk and damaging national security. In 2020, a U.S. appeals court found the program Snowden had exposed was unlawful. It also declared that the U.S. intelligence leaders who publicly defended it were not telling the truth. He currently faces charges in the United States that could result in decades in prison. His name appeared in a Putin decree conferring citizenship on a list of 72 foreign-born individuals. State Department spokesman Ned Price commented on the U.S.'s current position on Snowden. Our position has not changed. Mr. Snowden should return to the United States where he uh, should face justice as any other American citizen would. The news prompted some Russians to jokingly ask whether Snowden would be called up for military service. Perhaps the only thing that has changed is that as a result of his Russian citizenship, uh, apparently now he may well be conscripted to fight in Russia's war in Ukraine. Snowden's wife, Lindsay Mills, will also apply for citizenship. She gave birth to their son in 2020. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Russian men are fleeing into neighboring Georgia to avoid being called up to fight in a war they do not agree with. This following Russian President Vladimir Putin's order to mobilize hundreds of thousands of reservists for the conflict in Ukraine. The exact number of people who have left Russia since Putin announced the mobilization last week is unclear, but an early picture is emerging of a substantial exodus. Scenes such as those at the Russia-Georgia border have also taken place at crossings with Kazakhstan, Finland and Mongolia. Russia has not closed its borders and guards generally appeared to be letting people leave. At one point on Sunday, the estimated wait to enter Georgia hit 48 hours and more than 3,000 vehicles were lined up to cross the border. President Biden says his administration is cracking down on junk fees. He's urging companies from banks to cell phone providers and airlines to drop hidden fees. Unnecessary hidden fees, known in the parlance as junk fees, are hitting families at a time when they can't afford it. No more hiding the price that you're paying and not letting you know what the hidden fees are. And all, it's all taking money out of the pockets of average Americans. Capitalism without competition isn't capitalism, it's exploitation. 
Biden also said the move will lower costs for consumers struggling with inflation. He said three-quarters of the country's 20 largest banks are getting rid of bounce check fees. Those fees are usually around $50. Bank overdraft fees were also mentioned. Cell phone companies and their termination fees are another concern Biden has. Airlines are being asked to be more transparent about their hidden charges. Biden says the Department of Transportation issued new rules Monday. Consumers will eventually be able to see a more complete price on airline tickets before they buy. That includes baggage and any change fees. He says the move should encourage more competition among airlines to offer better fares. And FedEx pilots were seen protesting outside the New York Stock Exchange on Monday. There are currently negotiations between the company and the Airline Pilots Association. Negotiations for new contracts have been going on since May 2021. The union says the protests were expressing continued frustration about the uncertainty of new contracts. FedEx released a statement saying these negotiations are a normal part of business and will not affect their service. FedEx share earnings lost 21% last quarter. On Thursday, the company outlined cost cuts of up to $2.7 billion. The company blames deteriorating global economy. Analysts have criticized FedEx and questioned whether parking planes and shuttering some offices was too little too late. And now for some news from New York. In a remote parking lot in the corner of the Bronx, construction has begun on an emergency makeshift camp. Hanger-sized tents will house illegal immigrants bused to New York from border states. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more about the tent city being built. The site near Orchard Beach is the first emergency shelter being set up to deal with the unexpected guests in the so-called sanctuary city of New York. But more are being planned. Immigration advocates say the plan was not well thought out. Orchard Beach is a flood zone. Uh, we're in the midst of hurricane season. An estimated 13,000 migrants have been bused to New York from Arizona and Texas. Republican governors are looking to relieve pressure on small border town communities from the record high number of illegal immigrants crossing the southern border into their states. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says over 11,000 illegal immigrants have been bused to New York, Chicago, and Washington so far this year. We don't want what is supposed to be temporary to become permanent, so we don't want this temporary uh, respite center to end up becoming a de facto shelter for folks where there's a thousand beds, right? Public transportation in the area is limited. It could take close to two hours to get to Midtown Manhattan. The shelter will house only single adults. Some Bronx residents are concerned about what problems it could bring. Where people are gathered, where their resources are limited, I do think that there's a concern that there might be, you know, uh, a temptation towards bad behavior, a temptation towards just being able to survive, right? Customs and Border Protection reported over 2 million arrests of illegal border crossers in fiscal year 2022. This is the highest annual number ever recorded. The Federation for American Immigration Reform estimates it's costing American taxpayers an extra $20 billion plus a year to support illegal aliens who've entered the country under the Biden administration. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Coming up, a whistleblower is awarded over $260 million in a case settled against Biogen Pharmaceuticals. His lawyer says the payout shatters U.S. whistleblower records. 
and drug overdose deaths are surging, especially among young children or young adults and children. We speak to a former DEA agent to find out where kids are getting these drugs from. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. Biogen Incorporated has resolved a long-running whistleblower lawsuit in a Boston federal court. The company has agreed to a $900 million settlement. Former employee of the company, Michael Bordoniak, accused Biogen of providing kickbacks to doctors if they prescribed their multiple sclerosis drugs. The scheme resulted in false claims to government programs such as Medicare and Medicaid. Under the False Claims Act, Bordoniak sued the company and reclaimed the taxpayer money on the government's behalf. His lawyer says the false claim settlement is the largest in over 150 years. That's for cases brought by a whistleblower without the intervention of the government. Biogen maintains no wrongdoing, stating it believes its intent and conduct was at all times lawful and appropriate. Health officials are warning that drug dealers are targeting children and young adults with rainbow-colored fentanyl. They're popping up across the nation. Just earlier this month, officials seized 15,000 fentanyl pills in Nerds and Skittles candy, candy packaging. In general, they are also commonly disguised as fake prescription pills. Now, states across the nation are affected by a rise in overdose deaths. In Georgia, the number of young people who died from fentanyl-laced drugs spiked by 800% last year. Nationwide, there were 107,000 overdose deaths between December 2020 and December 2021. And fentanyl is responsible for around two-thirds of those deaths. I spoke to an expert to make sense of all of this. Joining me to talk about this is Derek Maltz. He is a former DEA special agent in charge. Good to have you, Derek. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, first, I really want to ask, why do you think there is this unprecedented uptick right now in fentanyl and overdoses? Well, for one, the Mexican cartels are trying to drive addiction and drive profits. They run a multi-billion dollar enterprise and because the American population is, you know, addicted to opioids and have been because of the 100 billion opioids dumped into the country by the corporate cartels here. So we're seeing it because they're bombarding our country. They have wide open borders and they're taking full advantage of the weaknesses at our border. Right. And about that, about driving this addiction. And I mean, how big of a role do these rainbow fentanyl pills play that we hear about now? I mean, one, let me rephrase a little bit. Also, a fentanyl dealer told Vice News before that their customers just prefer the colorful, colorful versions better. So it just seems to me like there is this whole marketing and distribution strategy behind it now. Um, so I just want to know, you know, what has changed compared to before and how does that work nowadays? Well, you, you've made a great point, and you're exactly right. It's a marketing strategy. It's very deceptive. It's devious. But the sad part is all of this fentanyl is the same. It doesn't matter if it's purple, pink, yellow, green. It's all the same poison coming out of these labs in Mexico. But the problem is now is you have these young kids as young as 13 years old that are obsessed with the smartphones and the social media apps and the videos and the reels. So all day long, they're on these apps and the cartels are taking advantage of that. And the local drug distribution networks are taking advantage of that. And they're poisoning young kids that don't know what they're buying. They're not buying, you know, real Adderall or real oxycodone or Percocet. They're buying poison. 
from these labs in Mexico, and that's the problem. So they're tricking these young kids into buying poison. And how exactly, I mean, you mentioned, you know, in the digital age, social media, do they send them a message? Or, I mean, how does that work? Well, I mean, they have these emojis. They have their own language. At the end of the day, they just have mass amounts of people on these social media sites. So they're taking advantage. You know, it's just like buying a pizza online. You know, mm. the pizza delivery guy shows up at the house. You pay either by, you know, Venmo or one of these payment apps and you get your pizza. It's the same thing with the fake pills. Cartels are now in the bedrooms of every American. Whereas in the old days, you'd have to go down and find a drug dealer on the streets, very dangerous, and now the kids don't have to worry about that. With such a complex network like that, I mean, fentanyl is coming from China, from Canada, from Mexico, and you just touched on it with a border. But I mean, with such a complex system and network, where do you start? Where is the priority for the DEA? Well, the DEA and law enforcement is doing a great job making these historic seizures of pills. But by making these seizures, that gives you an indication of how much is being produced. So right now, if I was in charge, I'd be destroying the chemical weapon processing labs in Mexico. I would hope the Mexican government would come on board as partners because we need them as partners. But if not, we have to look out for the children. We also have to shut down the mass amounts of precursor chemicals coming from China into the uh, labs in Mexico. We know the ports. There's a lot of corruption down there in Mexico, so we know the ports that the cartels control. But the other thing that's happening, just so you know, is the mass amounts of money laundering that's going on with the Chinese nationals. So a lot of the kids are coming to America on visas. They're picking up millions of dollars during the week, during the weekend, and they're delivering it to the Chinese business guys because they can't get more than 50 grand a year out of China. So they're, they're taking advantage of the cartel's cash. They're buying property, they're buying real estate, and they're creating a really significant national security threat. You have to start with that, but we're long overdue on the education. We have to get education in the middle schools, in the high schools, in colleges. There's gotta be more awareness. And right now the White House is silent on this fentanyl poisoning crisis. That's the problem. Thank you so much for your time today. It's such an important issue. So thank you for such critical, critical information as well. Derek Meltz, I appreciate it. Thank you and have a great day. We have impact. After the break, we see the dark planetary defense craft hitting its target. It's an asteroid about 7 million miles away. And a new technology mapping whales. It helps prevent whale ship collisions. Stay tuned for more after the break. Good to have you back with us. A success for NASA's planetary defense team, the Johns Hopkins University DART spacecraft crashed into an asteroid. Here's NTD's Flinders Kingsley with the story. A NASA spacecraft the size of a vending machine successfully crashed into an asteroid. The crash is a part of a planetary defense program to protect the Earth from catastrophes falling from the heavens. For the first time, humanity has demonstrated the ability to autonomously target and alter the orbit of a celestial object. The asteroid named Dimorphos is about the size of a football stadium, with a diameter of about 525 feet. Dimorphos orbits another asteroid named Didymos, which is five times larger. Both pose no threat to Earth, making them ideal to test the technology. So there are no known asteroids um, that are large enough in size and headed towards Earth in any time soon. Um, this is a test in the event that one were ever discovered. 
The double asteroid redirection test, or DART, collided into the asteroid some 7 million miles from Earth. DART was traveling 14,000 miles per hour, or 4 miles per second at impact. But the real thing that we're looking for is, does it change the orbit? And our models suggest that it's going to change the orbit by a little bit. But even a little bit is enough to matter. So even just a small change in the orbit could mean that the asteroid is on the other side of what it's orbiting in just a few weeks. A photo was sent back to NASA every second until collision, when signal was lost. NASA is waiting for footage from CubeSat, a smaller satellite which was taking photos from a few minutes behind DART. NASA insists there is no chance the asteroid exploded. Dimorphos is 11 billion pounds, DART weighing just over 1,200 pounds. But it is expected to have made an impact. Number one was hit the asteroid, which we've done, but now number two is really measure that period change and characterize how much ejecta uh, we actually put out. The team say they expect to shorten Dimorpho's orbit by 10 minutes, but anything above 73 seconds will be considered a success. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Fascinating. In other news, organizations announced the extension of WhaleSafe, a technology-based mapping and analysis system to help prevent whale ship collisions. Entity's David Lem hears from some of the members behind the project. There's been an ongoing effort to prevent whales from fatal ship strikes out at sea. At the end of August, Fran, the most photographed whale in California, washed up ashore. Researchers concluded that she suffered from a fatal ship strike. The Marine Mammal Center and the Benioff Ocean Science Laboratory announced a collaboration to bring a new mapping system to the San Francisco Bay based on a model from Santa Barbara that launched in 2020. The SF Bay system launched last Wednesday. The WhaleSafe system is an AI-powered near real-time whale detection system. It's the first of its kind in the Pacific Ocean, and it was primarily designed to help prevent collisions between whales and ships, which is one of the leading causes of death for endangered whales around the world. Users can go to the website or platform, and it indicates the level of whale presence near the coast from low to very high. Rachel Rhodes, project scientist on the WhaleSafe team, says the detection system uses three main data inputs. The first is an AI-powered acoustic buoy. Which is essentially an underwater microphone that's listening to whales vocalizing to each other. It uses an onboard AI system to assess and identify the whale species. The second component is a model that forecasts blue whales. It has a map to let you know if there are likely to be blue whales. And then the third piece is the best computer of all, all of us. So we use sightings data collected by citizen scientists, naturalists, and researchers that are out on the water. All three are put together into a visualization to provide situational awareness to the public and sailors. Whales help regulate the environment, and a director with the Marine Mammal Center says these mammals are critical. They um provide the base of the food chain so um everything that is small out there um they can produce through basically their pooping um is the basis of life and they're also they can store as much carbon as a thousand trees the director said one of the partners integrated the santa barbara data into their fleet management software so they have the info right there at their fingertips WhaleSafe cites that ships that slow down to 10 knots in areas with high whale presence significantly reduce danger to whales. Rhodes says it's the most effective measure to reduce the number of deadly ship strikes. 
it gives whales a bit more time to get out of the way, and in the unfortunate case if they do get hit, it's less likely to be fatal. People can cause the biggest threats to whales, but we could also be their biggest champions. Rhodes and George say the team will continue outreach to shipping companies and the public with hopes of expansion. Their system was built to be scalable to other locations. David Lamb, Entity News, California. Such amazing technology, and I had no idea, to be honest, how important whales are to the uh, environment. Yeah, and Evelyn, let's go from whales to seals. Police in Massachusetts made a once-in-a-lifetime apprehension Friday after a seal on the loose in the town of Beverly literally turned itself in. The animal had been squatting in a neighborhood pond next to the police station for about a week. Security footage captured the seal waddling right up to the police station. A group of officers made the catch of the day and sent the seal off for observation before it's released into the wild. That officer did a double take, but let's be honest, that seal knew what it was doing. Oh yeah, well seals are really intelligent animals. I'm glad their rescue went smoothly and they could get them to the wildlife carrier safely. Yeah, I agree. And that's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning@entity.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.